probably all be checking in with someone every now and then. After we, we imploded in the league last year, I wasn't right for yeah. a long time. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Before we get into last night's football and before we get into the uh, golf, we should talk about the fact that it looks like me, they're going to be the latest uh, football team to send loads of players to the AFLW. And the Mead manager is not particularly happy about this, Owen. He thinks the game isn't really that good. Yeah, it's been printed on a, a couple of the back pages this morning. Uh, let's just get the exact comments from you here. The Irish Daily Mail, for example, goes with the headline, Mead face losing star wall to dreadful AFLW. <coughs> this is not a surprise, really, that Vicky Wall is going to be travelling to Australia later this year. Obviously, just had this sensational breakout year last year for me as they won the All-Ireland almost certain they say to travel to Australia on an AFLW contract you're also going to have her teammate Emma Duggan on target for an Australia move and Eamon Murray has been speaking he says of course that's going to happen I'd say we're losing Vicky now in September and I don't know how many more we'll lose I don't know why you'd want to play that sport because it's dreadful stuff to watch there's no skill at all so Eamon Murray probably the, the first dissenting voice when it comes to the migration of players and plenty of ha- have made this move from Ireland to Australia for the off-season months uh, and, and attacking the sport itself as, as much as anything else because when you see those comments it's like oh there's going to be a clash here where GEA managers aren't happy but no he's saying that the sport is just bad and I don't know why you'd want to play it I think it's pretty obvious why you'd want to play it because you live in a better climate and you get paid to do it exactly but is it is it dreadful to watch like I mean each to their own I guess but I think uh, Aussie rules is is uh, pretty a pretty good sport. Like I mean, we we quite often say, how can we make GEA better? Let's make it more like Aussie rules. I I don't think we should be going down the Aussie rules direction. I find Aussie rules kind of um, less interesting than Gaelic football. Significantly less interesting than Gaelic football. I would say significantly. I, I would obviously find it less interesting, but uh, I, I still think it's it's very very watchable. Well, I think one of the reasons it's watchable is the way it's packaged up, and even uh, here with the women's AFL, uh, the coverage you can get on TV, you see the best bits all the time. It's very accessible. But I, I don't understand what the criticism here, even if the sport is rubbish. I, is is there well, a trend that he, players return from Australia and well, they are lesser Gaelic footballers? Well, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because he's got a view on that as well. If any of you check the players coming back, the Sinead Goldricks or the Lauren McGees or any of them, they don't exactly set the world on fire when they come back over here. They're not going to win the championship for any team. They keep saying, oh, we're going out here and it's professional and we're training seven days a week. How much training do you want? Like, you know, you certainly won't improve your skills over there. I'm not bitter about it. Far from it. It's great to have a country like that, that the girls can spend a few years over there and enjoy that year or two and come back. So Sinead Goldrick and Laura McGee are like, well, what? what's we do to you? But uh, next time they meet in the championship, which isn't going to be that far away... That's going to be an interesting clash. Yeah. This is so good. Is, is, is Eamon Murray saying that uh, Sinead Goldrick going to Australia was one of the reasons that Meath were able to win in All-Ireland last year? At this, uh, you're saying that, Dublin. Nathan. You're putting those words in, in, in his mouth. But certainly, if you're Mick Bowen, you just, you just put a little call into the two of them this morning going, no, just in case, in case none of your friends uh, showed you this. Have you seen this? Mm. What do you think of that? What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, if you're on the receiving end of that phone call, you're looking around at the environment around you and like, I'm pretty happy here. Or And also you're like, OK, I'll be angry when I get home. But uh, for now, this is this is a pretty good setup. Like, it, I, there, there could be truth in what he's saying. Like, a pattern might emerge over the next little while where the teams who have most AFLW players are 
lessening in their their ability to contend like you are missing a huge part of the league and I mean we've been open arms about the dubs potentially being finished because of their league form in in the men's football and you're coming back and you're swanning into the team you know without where where somebody has actually been in the team while you've been away building up patterns of play tactical analysis all the kind of stuff that you're supposed to do while you're with the team so it's a a balancing act to be sure This this is good stuff I like this or you're coming back and you're a bit wrecked, obviously, which is both. I'm sure the biggest issue that you know you've been relentlessly playing, you haven't been building up towards championship. You've already had your championship, and now you're trying to peak for a second time. There's also the worry that you don't come back at all, like all of our uh, you know family members and ancestors who've departed for Australia. You know to go for three months, but like Scruffy Murphy's a bit too much, and we're never seen again. A lot of spiders down so, there, Nathan. A lot of spiders and snakes. So it's the, the most um, poisonous part of the world. Oh, that's a, is that a metaphor for the players who stab their own county in the back? <laughs> and spiders, not snakes. Well, listen, Oshin uh, Mullen knew which side his bread was buttered. Uh, but Aileen Gilroy <laughs> is uh, not uh, coming back. Ashley McCarthy, I think, uh, obviously a huge player for Tipperary, it seems, isn't coming back. So you know, players are, are going and staying and enjoying the life over there. But Gaelic football is an amateur sport. If people want to go and make decisions that or for the betterment of their lifestyle and their future, and they feel that that lies more in Australia. They can't blame them. Well, you can't blame them, but you can certainly complain about them in the papers. Uh, yeah, it's, like, it's true. As I said, like, it's going to be very very interesting to see what happens when, when Dublin and Meath in particular do up, come up against each other in a championship later this year. Cause it's, Full-on 30-man brawl. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, like I mean what Emma Murray is saying here is, is definitely kind of uh, it, like it, it, it's really interesting because he's been asked about it in the context of his own players I don't think the game's that good I, I never really enjoyed Aussie rules I have to say I think Gaelic football is a far superior sport a far superior sport and we keep doing this like oh let's let's steal the mark let's do that it's like no that, that sport that sport does not make that much sense but uh, the point isn't about the quality of the sport but it is sure. it is sorry that's exactly he's saying it's a dreadful game He's saying it's a dreadful game. That's, that's, he says there's no but skill. But it's a dreadful game that pays their players. Yeah, but so, look, paying the, I don't think anybody begrudges the players getting paid. I don't think Amy Murray begrudges the players getting paid. I'm like, you know. But that's it, what they're going. They're not going down for, and to be full-time professional athletes. They're not going down for the joy of playing AFL because they're sitting at home going, God, it's a better joyless. person of Gaelic football out there. <laughs> yeah. The, I think the game itself is, is pretty joyless compared to Gaelic football. Uh, Much more crack playing Gaelic football. Yeah. Yeah, uh, let's well, take a I'm stop. Sure. Let's have sure another stop that. and play. Let's have another stop and play. Let's have a set play. Another set play. It's like it's American football without without any of the skill. Gaelic games had had been joyless for a while. It feels like the joy is coming back into yeah, a little bit at the moment. Much better. Although Martin Brownlee doesn't think so, which we can get to a little bit later on if you want. It's seven forty-one this morning. We should talk about the football last night. Um, basically, everything we predicted: a two-goal win for Liverpool, a routine enough away win, and a close, tight game for Manchester City but they came through I'm not fully confident Man City are going through in the two legs just yet but I'm 100% confident Nathan that Liverpool are home and hosed uh, that third goal certainly seemed to seal it for them they were impressive last night I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold was outstanding like, the talent this guy has the range of passing at 23 this pass for the second goal for Luis Diaz he set up Mo Salah with the first time ball from deep inside his own half straight over the top almost felt like it had a bit of backspin on it uh, Salah didn't take the chance uh, missed quite a few chances but like Trent Alexander-Arnold has sort of reimagined what that position is uh, not just for Liverpool but for, for right backs in general he is Salah would win footballer of the year but you know, Alexander-Arnold 
has got to be right up there behind them. Is that a little bit of a blip at the moment? I mean, by his standards, no goal in six games, is it now? Um, uh, that's the type of thing that actually allows Trent to nip in and steal the awards if they win everything. If, if and listen, the next uh, week or two will decide all that. And it's not the best time for Mo Salah to be having that little dip when your next run of games is Manchester City at the Etihad, Benfica second leg, Manchester City, Manchester United, Everton. But Salah goes through these spells every so often. And even last night, his control seemed to let him down a lot. It, that chance that Alexander-Arnold sent him in behind, like, every day of the week you expect Mo Salah to finish that. So maybe there is the tiredness. Maybe there is the upset, which is understandable, of missing out in the AFCON and on the World Cup finals. But generally in the biggest games, and the biggest games are coming up, that is where Salah always delivers, where he always gets his goals. So he wouldn't be in any way shocked if he broke that duck at the weekend. But Liverpool were good again. Like the big difference with Liverpool at the moment is the strength and depth. You look at that bench that they had last night, and they have backup in pretty much every position, whether you know Joe Gomez, who filled in for Alexander-Arnold at the weekend, at right back. Uh, Joel Matip was left among the substitutes last night. Chimikas has done a good job at left back. They had all sorts of options in midfield. Henderson was left on the bench. Milner's there. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Minamino. And then they've Jota and Firmino as attacking substitutes. So from a position where at Christmas we were looking at Liverpool compared to Manchester City saying, do they have the squad for a run like this? Like for a run like this in the space of two weeks where you're playing five season-defining games, you can leave out Jota and Henderson and Matip last night. And there's no real dip at all. In fact, the Garrett players who come in, Kieta had a really strong game last night. You don't night. want Oxide Chamberlain and Minamino being key players over the next four or five weeks, though. You don't really. No, but you, They're you, not good enough. But, but you can play them in the second leg against Benfica when you've got a two-goal advantage can. and not That's overly fair. worry about it. So I think it was straightforward. Benfica, uh, listening to the BT commentary, and Steve, Steve McManaman had watched a lot of Benfica uh, this season, uh, was saying how generally they're an awful lot more aggressive than they were in the first half last night. They really set off Liverpool, probably showed them a little bit too respect. Liverpool took full advantage. There was half an hour where Benfica got the goal, Kanata made a bad mistake, crowd is up, their backs are up, and you felt that maybe there was an opportunity because of the way the Champions League always works. As you say, at Manchester City, you just get caught somehow in the second leg, but I think the third goal kills it off. Yeah, that Nunez chance at 2-1 down, if he doesn't go down in the box, he actually turns that into an effort. It could be a, a different story, but it's about seeing it out. Like You'd have to say that that depth conversation has flipped in Liverpool's favour. That's not to say that Manchester City's depth is non-existent. It's excellent as well, but you'd have to say that Liverpool's slightly edged him at the moment when it comes to 15, 16 men. Well, there was no kids on Liverpool's bench last night compared to Manchester City's where... You know, they had Egan Riley, Mbappé Tabu, you know, two players who you're never going to use in a Champions League quarterfinal, semi-final. Now, they did have Phil Foden and Jack Grealish on the bench, who are two absolute game changers, as Foden showed last night. They're obviously just resting Foden up for, for the Liverpool match on Sunday. So, yeah, Liverpool have that sort of depth where you can rotate your midfielders. Do they know what their best midfield is? Is he 100% sure? He's quite happy rotating the front three constantly now. Uh, but City, when you have Grealish and Foden, and like, who are you taking out of that front three, midfield three, uh, that lessens them in any way? I still think they have the top, top quality of two players who can make an impact off the bench always. Jesus was on the bench yeah. last night. Uh, maybe Ruben Diaz somehow squeezes back for the weekend, which would be geez, huge for them, uh, even though Laporte has arguably been their best centre-half this season. But it was the one thing I thought coming off last night watching City was, this just looking at their everything that's happened to them over the recent seasons in the Champions League, going to Madrid for the second leg, 
oh, you just get stung somehow you get stung last couple of minutes and then all the questions come up again yeah I'm not I'm not convinced that they're they're home and hose at all I think that that's uh, very much on a knife edge at this stage and I thought that uh, Atletico played really well compared to some of the stuff that we would have expected from them eight, nine weeks ago before the Man United games they weren't in a great run of form and uh, that seems to have been some kind of a turning point for them mm. it was, like it was this sort of grim art form wasn't it the first half where literally nothing happened uh, Atletico with their two banks of five I was watching the BT commentary and they're like 10 minutes in oh it's been an excellent start for Man City I'm like no it hasn't this is exactly what happened this is you you feel like you're in the game you're not in the game you're having like headers from corners that are going way over it's like oh it's a great chance like no no no, this, is, this has nil all, written all over it. it w- wasn't there like an, an artsy movie done of the Empire State Building in the 60s where it was like three hours long and it was just a still image basically of the Empire State Building and everyone was like, this is amazing, this is high, high art. Uh, but it's not and that's not what the first half was yesterday it was Atletico just completely digging in and doing it really successfully to the point where you thought they're going to break once here and get one big chance it wasn't even a half chance that the opportunity they had in the 50th minute I think it was Lorente well, which, which didn't even go down as a shot Well the, the Griezmann with his shit pass that actually ended up being a throw in uh, yeah. when he was he just didn't, didn't have the pace anymore uh, there was a Man City corner was this in the first half? I think it was in the first half uh, there was a Man City corner like the ball squirts past Gundogan and it's basically a 75-yard sprint for Griezmann who just couldn't carry it off and he looks over to his, his left and actually shins the ball over the, the sideline. Yeah, like the, I don't think that uh, some, if you're looking at Google maybe they, some of the stats say that they had no shot at all yesterday Atletico Madrid and certainly when it comes to not having a shot in the first half it's the first time since 03-04 that they failed to attempt a, a shot in the, in the first half of a Champions League tie so even by Atletico standards this was a, a particularly robust defensive effort especially in that first half the premeditated nature of making three substitutes on the hour mark probably speaks to that as well but Kevin De Bruyne is the person you want to be in those positions and, and maybe Phil Foden proved that as well when he came on last night that they are the people who can unpick the lock and maybe they've learned a lot about last night as well before they go to, to the Wanda I think the goal makes a big difference though when you look at what Atletico Madrid tried to do last night if they were to try and repeat that at home like they did have maybe even three or four opportunities where City had pressed so high up the pitch that one right pass at the right time and you're in behind like City won't need to press as high they won't be as desperate to get a goal because they know they have that. So maybe Atletico Madrid on the counter-attack won't have as many opportunities. But like Atletico Madrid are used to playing in these type of games. You said they know exactly what they're about. I was watching both games and all the online analysis was this is an utterly dominant performance for Manchester City in the mm. first half. But like, everybody what? knew it was going to be an utterly dominant to performance. To what end, like, yeah. This is what Atletico Madrid wanted. Let them have the ball. If you're good enough, show it. If you're good enough to score two or three goals against two bags of five, show it. But... They couldn't do it, so yeah, I, I'd i say Pep Guardiola will be sweating ahead of that second leg. We had Graham Hunter on yesterday and he was talking about Diego Simeone being an incredibly superstitious man. I hadn't quite realised the level of the superstition. Obviously, things went quite well for them in their last trip to Manchester, got over Manchester United. He copied every detail. This is according to El Chiringuito, so uh, I hope this is on the money. Uh, he copied every detail from the Manchester United trip for the trip to Manchester City. Both flights left Madrid at half past 11. The same bus, the same hotel, the same hour for the press conference with Marcus Llorente doing the press conference again and training at the exact same hour. So uh, that's the, the level of regimen that we've uh, got from Simeone. And there's definitely going to be a bit of a twist in the, the second leg. It's just an early goal for Manchester City. It's going to be the thing that may score for them. He has spies as well in the Manchester City camp, which allowed him to wear exactly the same clothes as Pep Guardiola last yeah. night. Same shoes, same trousers, <laughs> same coat. Like the, it, is, it is the exact same coat. Yeah, 
And I mean, they're very rich men who both have like sponsorship deals with designers, and they end up wearing the same. That's very embarrassing. Yeah, and apparently Martin Keown was wearing a, a similar jacket. Oh, as well was he? Came up in commentary. Um, oh, are these the the, the coat is the new version of the pundit shoes? Yes, the pundit shoes. Of course, uh, the Sunday game had taken the pundit shoes to a very kind of uniform level, hadn't it? Whether they're all in the same. Yeah. Well, they're all, well, no, they're so, all well, Ben Eddie or, or whoever. Every yeah. English, every English uh, football pundit. Yeah, uh, the White Soul. Today, our Sky, the White Soul shoes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's a bit different to the Sunday game one, which is kind of more of the the suede shoe, the brown suede shoe. That's different. That's how you know your sports from one another. Seven fifty. good man now for an Albanetti Benetti ambassador, wouldn't he? Who? Pat? He'd be all over that. Martin Keown. No, you. Oh, sorry. Get the Benetti. Get the Benetti. Uh, yeah, 100%. Hit me, up, hit me up, Benetti. Maybe they could get you in, in Clover. That would get you into Bergheim. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Egan is with us. Phil, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you doing? Uh, we did a good bit on, on Liverpool earlier, so we'll come back to that if we've got time at the end. But there's a couple of other things that I did want to talk to you about. Um, the, the Chelsea game tonight. Tuchel said he wasn't going to make a drama after the game at the weekend. And... Like I didn't watch the full game, but looking at the highlights, it definitely looked like it was one of those games where one team scores with almost every chance they have, and yeah. the other one has a book load of chances. Doesn't play particularly badly, but this stuff happens in football against a reasonable side like Brentford. Am I not reading enough into it? Am I giving them too much of a free pass? Is this the start of an actual crisis? I th- sorry, Phil. I th- I think so. I think that's that was a surprising thing about watching the Brentford game back. Was I assumed that was like Chelsea got done here a little bit. Brentford were way better than Chelsea on Saturday. Yeah, look, I, I think the Ericsson signing for Brentford has transformed them. Also, uh, Raya being back in goal is absolutely massive for them. I don't think it's a coincidence that they've got their form back since he's come back in as well. But look, this happened Chelsea last season. Remember West Brom hammered them. I know they had a player sent off that day, but he clearly had one eye in this game. We know Chelsea aren't going to catch Liverpool or City. They're going to finish in the top four. So it's all about the Champions League now. They're the defending champions. And, you know, you, you look at the, the team selection. Look at the midfield they had out against Brentford. It'll be different tonight. Kovacic will come back in. Rhys James will be back in. And it's, look, I'm not saying that they, they beat Real Madrid tonight because I think this is a, quite a, a tough tie to pick. I, I think um, I think it would be a blow for Real if, if Angelotti isn't in the dugout tonight. We don't know. As of Just now. explain, so Ancelotti at the weekend had COVID, is that what yeah. it is? And, so, and yeah. who was in the dugout instead? His brother. Was it his son? His son, his son, his son. sorry, his son. Uh, can you just Ancelotti do that? Junior. Yeah, <laughs> can you just do that? Why not? What? This isn't the Mafia, it's not Tony Soprano. <laughs> Sending AJ down to pick the team. It's like, what? I was, I was like, hang on a second. He, One of the but, biggest no, companies in the world has decided... <laughs> Uh, I'm not available because of COVID. I'm going to send the son. Yeah, he's well qualified now. Yeah, so we, he's on the staff. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, is he on the staff? Was he on the staff before Carlo got there? Or well, Carlo obviously trusts him. He had him at Napoli as well. So it, um, great. I'm, I'm, yeah, he's got, he's giving his son a job wherever he goes. But that's great. Look, even if he's not there tonight, obviously that team can run itself. But. Sometimes you just you just want your your manager in the dugout. But as I said I, I I wouldn't read too much into the the Chelsea result. Now saying that, come ten o'clock tonight, if Chelsea are beaten by Real Madrid, then people start talking about the the, the Brentford result more. But if if Chelsea turn up and do what they did in the Champions League last season, where they're so hard to beat and they eke out a, 
a one-goal win and they have that to take to Madrid next week, then the Brentford game is forgotten about. Um, the thing we forget about with David Angelotti is that he scored exceptionally high in his pro license courses. Excellent. Uh, the Athletic said he got 137 out of 140 in his UEFA B examination and 13 out of 15 for his UEFA A license. So they are top notch marks. They're well so done. Yeah, good. Top fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah look, at loads of the best coaches in the world happen to be the sons of uh, previous coaches, and obviously he's he's grown up in the football industry. But it's interesting that like. You know, at the peak end of the season, unfortunately, the Spanish league has not really put it up to Real Madrid. So at the weekend, probably didn't matter that much. But this is a big game. It's a big yeah. game to just be like, yeah, my boy. Well, and, and that could play into Chelsea's hands as well. The fact that Real Madrid are coasting in, the, in La Liga. You, you kind of think the way Barca are playing at the moment, if there was, a tight say, race. If yeah. there was another five games added on to what's left then Barca are just, they're like a train at the moment, but uh, they've obviously left it too late, but it makes things interesting for, for next season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, going back to your original point though, I wouldn't read as much into that Chelsea defeat as, like it's not a, it's not a crisis. I think it, Chelsea, one thing we've seen under Tuchel is they're so hard to beat in these uh, cup knockout games. I know it's over two legs, but the fact that... Um, they are the the reigning European champions. Uh, I think that there's there's a reason, and Tuchel has usually got his tactics spot on. So I think it's a, it's definitely a tough one to call, though. Late stage and Golo Kante is the best player in the world for the month of April and May. That's like the rest of the year. He's kind of like Grant. You're like, oh, sure, sure, is he worth his place in the team? But this is the, these are the games where he comes alive, isn't it? Man of the match of these two legs. That's my that's my outrageous prediction. Not so outrageous, I'd say. I'd say it's probably good, a good idea that, that that something like that could happen. Like, I mean, it, it depends how much you're, you are looking into Saturday. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced that Chelsea are uh, would have gone into Brentford at the weekend thinking they're home and hosed, thinking that they would have been absolutely fine in the top four. So I think they need to get a couple of more games. They didn't they know that Arsenal were going to lose to Crystal Palace. They will, of course. They didn't know that Arsenal were going to lose to Crystal Palace, um, and they've had a couple of shaky results. But as you say, Phil, there is this sense of Tuchel being an excellent. Cup manager and yeah. a European Cup manager, and uh, and then when you play into that, the factor of, of Kante and players coming to the ball nicely last season, there's definitely a sense they could do something in this tie. Yeah, and Kovacic is just coming back in. I think Kovacic is almost like a, does he get the recognition he deserves? Maybe the fact that he was part of the Real Madrid squad that won the three in a row, but wasn't always getting his game, and then you know does a bit of uh, does a, gets his loan move to Chelsea. But he's I think he's been exceptional, um, especially under Tuchel. I think. When you're in those tight games, he just seems to have that extra bit of time on the ball. He obviously can come up with a goal. His distribution is excellent. He has that ability to switch a ball as well. Jorginho will probably come back in tonight as well. We know things run through him as well. So the midfield, we know how good Real Madrid's midfield is in terms of the experience it has. But if Chelsea play with a certain intensity, can that Real Madrid midfield hold up for the 90 minutes? I'm not so sure. But... When you've got Benzema in your team, you always have a chance. It'll be interesting to see what he does with Benzema. Obviously, we know Vinicius Jr. is going to start. So will Asensio start? That's one of the other... Uh, Real Madrid, obviously, won at the weekend. Vasquez played at right back. Carvajal will be thinking, thank God we're not playing Mbappe again because that was a very uncomfortable couple of games for him against PSG. Carlo Ancelotti stuck the thing up his nose swiddled it around and uh, only one line on his COVID test so he is clear he is, is going to London poor David that was his time to shine yeah and Carlo will get a lovely reception at 
Stamford Bridge, Probably double will. winner. Yeah, yeah. Daddy's home. Time Absolutely, to take over. Know, he'll uh, he'll have the eyebrow out, and, and he'll be uh, every chance in the world. He ends up back at Chelsea at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, they're kind of not too dissimilar from the way the Netherlands go. I don't know if you've seen the news, but Koeman has taken back over after Van Hal takes charge at the World Cup. So they're they've obviously got a little rota system going on. So um, Carlo must be Gus Hiddink as well. Koeman was mad getting out when he got out because it was only going to be an opportunity for him to do something really good once with them. Now, look, maybe I'm wrong because he, he got the he got the job back, but his reputation is in tatters. Yeah. Frank the Boer better kept keep like 2025 clear. He'll be in the... Just needs one gig in the meantime. Do you reckon Dick Avocado has one more? One more, definitely, maybe. yeah. yeah. OTBM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. What did you make of Liverpool last night? I thought they were very good... There was a little sticky patch in the second half, a bit like the the game at the San Siro against Inter Milan, where Liverpool were quite comfortable, and then just one or two little bits of sloppy pay almost encouraged the opposition. But then Klopp, obviously, you have the option of five substitutes in Champions League games, something that will be in the Premier League next season, and he was able to make a triple substitution, and it just seemed to calm thing down, things down a bit. But that Diaz goal is the, the icing on the cake. and um, The thing is, Liverpool created so many chances and I said it after the game last night that there is going to be a game this season where they bury all those chances. A bit like what happened at Old Trafford in the first half where everything they touched went in and it could be Sunday, who knows? Uh, Who knows what team he'll go with? Remember last season, uh, away to City, Liverpool made a lightning start where he played the four of them. Everyone was thinking, will he go with Jota or Firmino? He played the four of them and one thing, I know you talked to Graeme Hunter about this yesterday, about Guardiola and his, his tactics. He was able to readjust after being absolutely shell-shocked for the first 20 minutes. So if Liverpool are going to beat City on, on Sunday, I think they need a quick start. I, I kind of feel Liverpool have to win on Sunday. I'm not saying if they, if they draw that the title race is done, but just looking at the run-in, I think City have a much more favourable run-in. There's, there's not a game there where I think that they're going to come unstuck. Maybe Wolves away, which has to be rescheduled because Wolves will be thinking back to the game at the Etihad earlier this season where they would have felt hard done by with the penalty they conceded and Raul Jimenez being sent off. But okay. Whereas Liverpool's fixtures are a lot tougher and the psychological blow it could strike if Liverpool go to the Etihad and win. It would definitely be um, significant. Uh, perhaps there'll be a hangover from City after one of the European games if things don't go well. And that is still up for grabs after last night as well. I know you wanted to mention Everton and Burnley or Burnley-Everton tonight. That's in the Premier League. No one's going to be paying attention to it while the Champions League is on. But It's a half seven. So we get you, you can watch the first half an hour. And it's such a big game. If Burnley win, they're only a point behind Everton. And then, speaking of run-ins, Everton's run-in looks horrendous when you're looking at a team that don't win many games. They play United, they have to play Leicester, they have to play Liverpool, Chelsea, Watford, they have Arsenal on the last day of the season. And also, we've talked about this before, they don't have those kind of players that are used to a relegation scrap. So, also this weekend, if Burnley win tonight, they're away to Norwich on Sunday, thinking that's a nice chance to get another three points on the board. Everton of United on Saturday at Goodison. I did think if Everton are going to get out of trouble, it's going to be their home form that keeps them up. And we kind of saw that with the Newcastle game where they managed to just grind it out. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a sticky moment for, for Everton and Luckily, Frank Luckily, Everton have uh, Donny van de Beek and Deli Alley to look forward to as uh, the hmm. cavalry as they charge into... Oh, wait, it's going to be a disaster, isn't it? This is not going to work. 
Michael Keane is suspended tonight as well. Feel good stuff. Thanks a million for that. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.